Just a quick note before the episode, there are some unintentional clicking noises in the first segment. Your speakers are just fine, and the noise goes away after about five minutes. Sorry for the inconvenience. Please enjoy. This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of craft beer in central Alberta. Say hi to Hans, he has more than three kids. It's a new year, but we're up to our old tricks, talking about difficult conversations as harmonious gentlemen. My name's Chris. I'm Tyler James Captain. I'm Graham. And I'm Peter. Hmm. And it's good to be back together again. Uh, good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Ty, thanks mm-hmm. for hosting again. Yeah, no problem. Every time. Just watch out for the cat. Yeah. I feel like this bag of Doritos, you've been able to serve to like four different uh, yeah. evenings. <laughs> it's like a huge bag. Yeah. Four different yeah. podcasts or four different... No, just four different events. events Grams nice. at all of them. Yeah. Costco membership. I don't have a lot to do this time of the year. <laughs> Not much. Well, let's, uh, let's get into some listener feedback. We have a couple things um, that came in over the break. And the first one I'm very proud to announce. We had two people um, kind of affirm something that I said earlier in our season about Will Smith. About, oh, oh. about I Am Legend. I don't want to like hear we've, this. We've had this talk. They right. said no, it no. was a very good movie and they didn't know why you guys jumped my throat. You know, it's funny. My brother also... No, did he? Someone I know said the same thing, actually. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't him, but someone. But before we dive into why that's a terrible movie, Peter, what's the <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes score on I Am Legend? Oh, man. I actually don't know, but I'm going to guess a 46. Yeah, which... You I'd know, love to look that up look later up. to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler, um... Do you feel bad about it still? I feel like no, I I just feel in the moment I felt bad because two <laughs> when when I shared that that was one of my favorite movies and then two of my friends just shot it down. But now it was I just more feel, of a surprise reaction yeah. that that, Anyways, could that be was your one favorites. one some, some listener feedback. Okay, and it was actually by two people of different generations. Wow! So one was um, they younger. weren't both like blind teenagers. No, it was a father and. <laughs> A father and son, but um, how close was he on the... 69. What did you guess? Oh, 46. Yeah, so I missed 69 up. is okay. uh, respectable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the other feedback yeah. we got was a little bit critical. Um, mm. It was that we say sucks too much. Whoa. Which I wasn't mm. even aware of. So I, it kind of okay. caught off guard. But then I says that, like, what's the problem? And um, he said, well, every time you say that, I hear sucks my... Mm. You oh know what? So hmm. I and I had not thought of that at all. But and I I don't even remember using that term. But that's it's feedback for us. So all right, that's mm. a challenge. So that tonight I, but, we need to when yeah. whenever you want whenever someone says sucks, we have to replace it with something. Okay, I can do like a like an effect with later on. <laughs> my <laughs> <laughs> we could just okay. be more clear. Like sure. Hey man, all feedback's good. I appreciate yeah, it. Is, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of easy to use the same language all the time that's anyway. Right. Yeah, like I wanna, no, that's good. When I first became a teacher, my, my student teacher person said that I, I said, and uh, and he, and he tracked me once. I did it 47 times in one lesson. I said, and wow. uh, and uh. It's not so, even a word. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but after a few it's days. It's just I, like a time or a space filler maybe? Yeah, exactly. Nervous. Yeah. No, it sucks to do that, but all right. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the feedback. Um, 
I, I do always enjoy it for sure. Even when it's negative, it's important. Uh, what are we talking about tonight, you guys? Well, actually, I know. You're supposed to. That's true. <laughs> We're talking about LGBTQ tonight, um, which is quite a broad topic, we realize, but we think it needs to be discussed. We've been, you know, it's been in a, on the back burner for a long time in our podcast, and we've wanted to discuss the topic for a long time. And so here we go, the new year. Um, we're going to just discuss our experiences, um, different points of view as best we can. Uh, all of our backstories are very different, some more than others. And uh, I look forward to, to talking through, uh, yeah, some LGBT issues with you guys tonight. Nice. Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. Now let's move on to recommendations. Oh, I got a good one. What's that? <laughs> so recommendations, I'm going to start um, with a book. Do you guys read books? Yeah. Chris, well, do you read books? You know, yeah. off and on. Um, it's actually cool. It's connected to one of our earlier topics. Um, but uh, yeah, it's called Merchants of Doubt, and it's about um, uh, a group of sort of not, not advertisers, but influential people that uh, the tobacco companies paid decades and decades ago to sort of spread misinformation about tobacco use and about its link to cancer. Because for a long time, the companies knew that it did, and they did whatever they could to sort of keep that information hidden or obscure it. And so they hired uh, a company or a group of individuals to do that. And the book connects that to the very same individuals who are now paid to do the exact same thing with uh, climate change that the oil companies pay. And it's hmm. kind of the same oh, strategies. Wow. It maps out the strategies, the kind of propaganda they spread. It's it, The playbook's basically exactly the same, uh, which I find very interesting. So if you like scientific stuff, it's a lot, of, a lot of like research and there's a lot of scientific journals talked about. So it might be a little bit dry for some of you, but hmm. it's a good book. That sounds cool. Merchants of Doubt. Yeah. Peter. Yeah, I kind of kind of similar to last time. I have another experience. So, uh, have you ever like listened to Abigail Washburn? She is a banjo player. She often plays with her uh, husband Bela Fleck. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, and like she has a, a marvelous voice, amazing banjo players. So, listen to one of her albums while driving on One A in Banff National Park. <laughs> at, at like, it's a very specific at recommendation. Like eight in the morning, when there's a fresh snowfall. Like <laughs> that is a wonderful, wonderful experience. Like, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. But like, I don't know when I'll get around to doing that. <laughs> yeah. really That's pretty cool. I'll go for it. <laughs> Any albums or songs in particular? Uh, you have to listen to the entire album. You okay. can't just like choose. Did you one say the song. name of the album? You uh, said- she has a self-titled one. Like she has a okay. few of them, but her self-titled one, Abigail Washburn, is phenomenal. Cool, cool. I'll do that. Um, my recommendation is a show that is based on a podcast. I don't know if there's Whoa. any of those out there, um, but I actually listened to the podcast first. It's called Homecoming, and it's one of the first kind of scripted dramatic. Um, podcast. So I'm, I guess I'm kind of recommending both. The podcast was good too. It had Ross from Friends as one of the voices, which was a little bit Ooh. distracting, <laughs> but um, but overall well done. Is he one of the characters in no, the show? In the show, they have a new cast. It's on Amazon Prime video, right. but it's it's just shot in a really cool way. Hmm. It's a uh, it's kind of a it's a drama, but thriller, lots of suspense. Um, I know how it ends because I've heard the whole the whole story, but the the way Still it's shot is really cool. Just some cool cinematography, good music. Thirty it, minute episodes 
for like a, a drama is kind of different too. Like I've been watching it with Krista and every episode Feels is like, short. whoa, it's done. Is that the Julia Roberts yeah. one? Oh, yeah, yeah it Julia cool. Roberts. Yeah. It's really cool. I haven't finished it yet, but. And Amazon how many Prime. episodes were there in the podcast? Do they? Oh, is it like line for 10, line pretty much? There's parts that are line for line. I for sure noticed that. Which is kind of cool. Like there's yeah. a ton of dialogue, but the way they shoot it is. But you wouldn't have had nice. to listen to it to watch it. No. Oh, no. Not at all. Cool. Yeah. Homecoming. Neat. Homecoming. I'll have to check that out. Well, on December 21st, Blind Man Brewery put out a special Icarus Stout that they had bottled for three years. A thousand days, actually. Yeah. They released it on the winter solstice at 323. And I was in line, maybe 50 people back. I think they were selling about 325 bottles or something like that. Uh, and boy, what a good beer. And I brought something with me. Oh, that movement you hear, uh, folks, is... Uh, Sorry, I had to move my microphone. These are little Christmas presents for my harmonious oh, gentleman. Oh, my goodness. What? Wow. Uh, is this one except of the... I didn't know Peter was going to be here, so... Oh. For two of the three. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank, thank you. you, Chris. You can't wow. keep the wrapping paper. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Chris. That's... Very so nice. I highly recommend Icarus. I don't know if I, it's still even available for Well, they have an purchase. Icarus out kind of all the time, I think. Right, yeah. They but do. this, this one's is a special a, one. A special. Well, well thank, thank you. Icarus. That's awesome. And uh, Peter, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't drink it anyway. I, I, it, it has gluten. Oh, is that true? So, yeah, yeah. Is that a fact? All right. Um, well, guys, good recommendations all around. Um, we should probably dive right in here and... Uh, Talk about the topic of the day, LGBTQ. Uh, are you ready? Anyone nervous? Not at all. No. Okay, you will be. <laughs> Here we go. Are you? <laughs> all right. Like uh, many of our previous episodes, we're going to start by just uh, establishing some context. We're going to share our personal experiences with um, LGBTQ issues, um, just so as listeners, you know, kind of where we're coming from. And I'll start because I think mine's, um, I mean, not too, too complicated. I grew up not thinking about these issues very much at all. Um, it wasn't a part of my, my family um, in early years. Um, I mean, at school, at, at the time, I didn't know of anyone going through any, um, like any, I didn't have any gay friends or, or know of anybody who had come out. So it's pretty straightforward. Didn't think much about it until I went to college. Then you uh, exposed to some different ideas, different, um, different people. And where I'm at now, it's, it's, it's good. Just pretty open-minded and, um, accepting and, yeah, I have I have more uh, some close friends who who are same sex attracted and yeah, that's where I'm at. It was pretty smooth sailing, but mostly because I just didn't think about it at all for the first 18 years of my life. Yeah, I was the same as you, Ty. Pretty much, um, nothing nothing too tumultuous in my life when it came to those kinds of issues. Um, you know, obviously in movies and TV and stuff. I don't even know what I thought of of those issues when I was a kid. Actually, to be honest, yeah. all I really know is that I used the word gay in like every context. Um, outside of what was appropriate, you know, basically that's gay or you're being gay or this game is gay or that, you know, yeah. as, as a slanderous term, um, that's how I used it. And that's how we use it, uh, you know, as kids. But there was no, and I would have been the same, but just no connection to no anything, right? No. It was just a word. 
It's almost like how I used to use the word retarded right. um, in, in a similar or way. Yeah, or sucks, exactly. The words that just became part of your vernacular yeah. over, over time and, and you never gave it a second thought. And uh, yeah, so that was that would be for, you know, where I'm coming from as well. Um, not a lot of opinions when I'm growing up at all until I got older. Yeah, and now, boy, do I have opinions. Man, <laughs> can of worms here tonight. Chris? Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, pretty similar. I didn't um, think about it or have opinions about it for a long time. I remember the first time I even... Um, thought about it it was probably in the early 80s my aunt and uncle lived in toronto and they were home for christmas and we're talking about um yeah friends in their church who were gay and like i was just interested in the conversation because that was just something i hadn't really heard of before so i kind of wanted to to know more about that but that was probably the first time i ever even thought of it um otherwise didn't didn't talk about it or think about it at all Cool. And uh, Peter, how about you? Well, I guys, I've I've something to confess to you tonight. Um, I'm gay. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's a surprise. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you can have these conversations about people or um, in spite of people or when people aren't around. And it's really nice to have you as part of this conversation, Peter. I think it makes it more interesting and bring some authenticity to it. So maybe tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So, well, where, where do you begin with that one? Like, and, and like for, for clarification too, like, like I feel like feel like it's essential for, for people to know this who, who don't know me that well is that I also like committed to celibacy. So like the traditional interpretation of scripture, um, but this is very much a, a big part of my life. And so it's, uh, it's one of those, this is one of those topics that I, I feel like I'm constantly caught in the middle of controversy and it is one of the most exhausting things I like, like, uh, no matter where you go, I'm just like a walking controversy. And, uh, well, yeah. would that have something to do with your job? Something, well, yeah, like definitely being a pastor adds a <laughs> yeah. layer to it. That is, <laughs> that is quite, quite major. But even, even before I became a pastor, because right. I've always been in, uh, like conservative Christian communities. And so mm-hmm. it's always been tricky navigating, um, those, those communities that, that I've grown up in. And so, so even, even though I wasn't a controversy, I still felt like, uh, some sort of controversial or somebody who caused problems, even though I didn't cause any problems at that time. Well, you were, you were talking earlier about how language is really important, right? So I have questions for you as I'm sure our listeners do and these other guys here, but is there anything we should know about like just the way we should talk about these issues? I don't want to offend or put my foot in my mouth. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's certain certain phrases that you should never use, like gay lifestyle. Just just don't hmm. just okay. never 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 um, say the gay lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. That's, I don't like the word lifestyle as it is. Yeah. I just hate that word. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the with language is incredibly tricky, and I think that's actually the most difficult thing uh, with this topic uh, because uh, for some people, like for a lot of 
conservative Christians mainly like using the term gay, they immediately think of, of sin. They immediately connect a gay with a, a sexual action. And so, uh, so with conservative Christian circles, you don't use gay. Um, uh, so, uh, in other circles, like, uh, um, when I'm with, uh, other, uh, um, yeah, when I'm with uh, other LGBT people, I'll say I'm a celibate gay Christian. Uh, but I, in some Christian circles, I'll just say I'm attracted to the same sex, uh, um, committed to celibacy. Like, basically, what I do is I try to use the language that would provide information most accurately to that group of people. Right. And so, but I, the... Um, yeah, there are always certain terms that you should, that you should never use. But the thing is like, uh, ask the person if you're not sure, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's like, uh, gay people or SSA people, which stands for same sex attracted. They, they will be more than happy to tell you if it's a, a term that offends them or not. Like that's, that's a very okay thing to do. And do you find people ask you that a lot? Um, not as much as they should. (laughs) There, there are some people I'm like, Oh, do you hear what you're saying right now? Like, uh, um, but there, there have been some people and I've always been quite impressed with them that they actually like they're, they want to use the right language, uh, and they just have no idea what, to what to say. So I've, I've had some people ask me, uh, for like a list of like, uh, glossary words or something like that, just so that they can, uh, say the right thing. I always appreciate that. I think uh, that's somebody who's trying to be conscious of Mm -hmm. the, the difficulty of the, of the issue. But that might not be the same for every, every person, right? That, that, that's true to your story and might be the preferences that you have, or would that be consistent with the LGBT community? It's, it's a bit of both. Um, like, so like if you, uh, go to like, uh, the glad website, uh, uh, which is a LGBTQ organization, they will have a list of vocabulary words actually on there of, uh, offensive to not offensive mm. and everything in between. Yeah. And people mm. generally agree on those. Right. Uh, uh, but everybody is a little bit different. Uh, uh, so like in my own personal life, I actually, uh, have issues with labels in general. So my own personal life, I actually don't really use gay, but I don't use SSA, uh, um, either, uh, because like, like I find both of those identities, labels, whatnot, um, concerning for different reasons. So I'd never heard SSA until tonight. Like, I don't know if that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I feel kind of silly. I've, I've never really heard that before. And maybe I just live in that bu- a bubble. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's where like asking someone like coming out and asking, what would you prefer? What's offensive? It, it reveals your, your ignorance. Right. And like, you seem good with it. Right. Like, and you wouldn't make someone feel dumb for, for asking, but I'm, I'm, but I hope, hope it also would reveal like your intent to not offend and to be right. Right. But could it offend it, someone just by like, you should know like, this already. I, right. I, yeah, I, would like be, you. I would be actually shocked if somebody was offended and yeah. like, 
like because most people just appreciate that like oh yeah. you care about using the right that's language right. Right. so yeah. if somebody is offended there's that's not the norm i don't think right um so it's not this whole like pc culture is like terrible and we're all just scared to offend like just ask right <laughs> you know what i'm saying like just just ask well, I, th- I think that's the the way to you should lean that direction, like lean towards being non-offensive, right? right. Like yeah. lean towards trying to be kind, mm-hmm. right? And if you, in trying to do that, accidentally offend someone, right, then deal with that. But and and vocabulary is very tricky because it always carries baggage, uh, right? So like SSA comes from like reparative therapy backgrounds. And so like, um, LGBT people are generally highly offended when they hear SSA, but a lot of Christian communities prefer that term. And that right there causes a barrier. Um, you mentioned reparative therapy. I don't, I'm not really sure what that it's all about. Maybe we'll, uh, quick break and talk about that real quick. Sounds good. So, yeah, reparative therapy is, yeah, it's not a term that everybody knows, uh, uh, but it's similar to conversion therapy. Uh, Sometimes it's called ex-gay therapy. Um, But uh, basically, it's the attempt to uh, change somebody's uh, orientation through through counseling um, or within Christian circles. Uh, It was changing somebody's orientation through uh, uh, spiritual means and it's uh, mixed with counseling. And so it's something that really took off in the early 70s is when reparative therapy started uh, getting really popular. It didn't start out in Christian circles. It started out in... Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So it wasn't like reparative therapy didn't start out as a Christian thing. It was... Oh, that's uh, all it is. Like in the medical field, right? Like it was recognized yeah. as like a disorder. And a, yeah. You know. Oh. Yeah. And and a lot of the information that the medical field used uh, uh, to classify um, uh, a gay orientation or whatever you want to call it as a disorder was based off of a lot of faulty studies too. So, right. uh, so it started out in the medical community and then the Christian community really latched onto it. Um, so in, uh, the early seventies, the, uh, homosexuality was, uh, taken off of the, the, uh, uh, DSM, is it four or five? Four, I think, I think I could be, I, I, yeah, I can't remember the specifics of that, but also in the early seventies, uh, a Christian ministry called Exodus International started, and that was your main ministry that, uh, pushed uh, orientation change. And uh, evangelical Christians jumped on board uh, real quickly with this ministry because they didn't know what to do about the LGBT people in their, their churches. Right. Uh, so they, uh, um, so the way Exodus worked, uh, Exodus thankfully no longer exists, but the way, the way that it worked is that it was an umbrella ministry. So there'd be like a hundred individual ministries under this, one giant ministry just all over the country. Um, yeah. So, um, what were these camps like? Well, they weren't, or these events. Yeah. They, they weren't all, all camps, uh, 
or residential treatments. There is one popular one called Love in Action uh, that uh, the uh, book and the movie Boy Erased is uh, based off of a person's experience while in that uh, treatment facility. Uh, but there were also like just the Exodus ministry that I went to was uh, actually, ironically enough, out of Mars Hill Bible Church, out mm. of Rob Bell's church. Oh, oh wow. Uh, obviously, they've, I think they disconnected from Exodus quite early on, but um, so that was the ministry that I went to. So they had these local ministries uh, that you'd get together with the, the people there, uh, but they also had these national conferences, and I went to a couple of those. And so those would be held at a uh, um, Christian college campus in different parts of the country every year. And so I went to one in 2005 and I think 2006. So two of them. Wow. Yeah. So when was the basic idea, like this is a poor choice and we're going to help you recorrect or. Some of it was some of their thinking is choice, but like, like people often people, characterize ex-gay ministries as like, oh, homosexuality is just a choice and people just choose to be gay or not. That's not exactly what they said. They they pushed more of uh, homosexuality was a result of faulty parenting. Uh, so like for uh, uh, a gay male, they connected more with their mom than their father and that um, changed the development of this person and that's how they became gay. So reparative therapy was trying to reverse that, uh, sort of thing. So not so much a choice from the child, but like not their fault. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the biggest dangers, um, actually wasn't so much on the people who went through reparative therapy, which, was quite devastating, but it, it was also on the parents because parents right. immediately felt that blame and, uh, uh, it, it destroyed, um, a lot of relationships between parents and their kids. It even destroyed many Probably marriages. marriages yeah. yeah. And it, it kind of wrecked havoc on, um, on a lot of families because it put a lot of the blame on the parents. Is this ministry still around? Like, is it, or has it changed? Like, is it, I feel like it couldn't exist in its yeah, original right. form, but is there, is this still out there? Yes and no. Uh, so like, uh, um, so Exodus International ended, uh, I can't remember what year, about five-ish years ago. Ellen Chambers, the president of Exodus, uh, closed the doors. Um, but a bunch of Exodus ministries split away right before that happened. And so in the States, there's an organization called Restored Hope Network. And it's still going on. It's the same as Exodus. Um, they just have a different name. Hmm. And so... Am I wrong in that some of these some of these groups, like they can't operate in certain states? Is that is that wrong? Like I, I sort of feel like I've heard that. It's uh, in certain states, it's illegal for kids to go through these organizations. Okay. So these organizations aren't illegal to certain states for kids, which quite frankly is a really good thing. So it's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And these, like, these are all like Christian based organizations, right? Like they're, they're coming from it, coming at it from an angle where being same sex attracted is, is sinful. We need to help you overcome this sin like is and or is there any medical connection anymore the the medical connection 
ended about the same time that Exodus ended. So there was a, an organization, a secular organization called NARTH, the National Association for I don't know. That's a freaky name. Yeah, it really Narth. is. Like, is <laughs> is something like for like yeah. the reparative therapy of homosexuals or something like that. I think I had that title wrong, but yeah, Narth ended not too not too long ago. But that lasted for quite a while, um, even though the American Psychological Association uh, uh, always rejected that hmm. organization. I wonder how much of these groups uh, we have in Canada, like things that operate like that in our country here, like very. You're an American, Peter, so you have a perspective from that country. But I, but I do wonder about our own country. Do mm-hmm. you know? Do these types of um, therapies exist today? Do our churches involve themselves? I, I certainly don't think ours do. Yeah, I mean, or even how many Christians now would jump to that conclusion, right? right? Like where they haven't had much experience with it, but then they have a a kid who comes out to them, and then that's what they jump to is like, right. how can I fix this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's where's the they're on Google searching for how to fix my, my gay or same sex attracted kid. Right. Like, I wonder how much of that is out there. Well, it's kind of funny. Like when I got involved with reparative therapy, all started with a Google search uh, for like, I think I typed in like Christians struggling with homosexuality. So even the language was like, yeah. 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 Loaded. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which a lot of it is around this topic. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I imagine a lot of people who are dealing with those and struggling with those feelings and, and identity, like the churches typically don't talk about those. A lot of churches don't talk about it. Like that's their strategy. They yeah. just don't even, right. they can't pretend it doesn't exist. And so you feel even more marginalized, I guess, or I don't know, like I can't imagine what that feels like, but yeah. yeah. And there are ministries in Canada that are remnants of Exodus, but they've changed quite drastically. Okay. Uh, so like... Like, uh, there's, yeah, I probably won't name the ministries, uh, but there, there are a couple of ministries that I hear like people in Red Deer refer to quite often. And, uh, uh, one is kind of, uh, uh, right of center. Um, so like not as extreme as Exodus, but still quite conservative. And the other one is, is left of center. And, uh, Hmm. but both of those, uh, were Exodus ministries and they've, morphed quite a bit maybe a dumb question uh but do they have statistics on like conversion rates, rates or success rates do yeah they, do they tout <laughs> sort of like this is what we've done like how do they measure that is it quantifiable it, it, actually there there is one uh, longitudinal study by uh, mark yarhouse who's a psychologist uh, called x gaze with a question mark and uh um, it was a 10-year study on uh, people who went through reparative therapy and like one of the difficulties with gauging if reparative therapy is successful is what do you mean by change Uh, so a lot of people uh, mean orientation change and i think the success rate was like I, I can't remember exactly one to two percent it was really low but yeah. for some people change was better self-control and if that was their view of change then change was more successful okay so far be it for me to you know, judge the methods of a group like Exodus, but um, is the best strategy for dealing with this throwing a whole bunch of gay youth into an area <laughs> together? Is that... <laughs> is that... Okay, this overnight. is funny. Okay. So, <laughs> my... 
my first my first Exodus conference, uh, Time Magazine was there, like interviewing a bunch of people. And during that time, uh, this uh, uh, these two guys hooked up, uh, and and Time Magazine put it in their article oh, yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. And yeah, it's not a good idea to. to well, I, I, I say it sort of like, ha, you know, it's a joke, but it's also kind of serious. Like it doesn't make, you know. Well, especially when, when people are at such a, uh, a raw, emotional, vulnerable state as they're trying to figure out what they believe in their sexuality and that sort of thing. Yeah. Putting putting all these really wounded, broken uh, uh, people have been hurt by their churches and have been rejected by a lot of communities who are very isolated and putting them in to like the same living facilities together. Like, yeah, you don't have to guess who's gay anymore. Like, We're all, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're Peter, all what, um, when you're at this thing, I, I got to say, like knowing you now, I'm curious, like what was going through your head when you're at this conference? Like, what are you thinking about? How is it hitting you? I was, like I actually um, initiated uh, going into Exodus. My parents, uh, my parents supported uh, after I, I came out to them. Uh, but like, uh, like since since I was a kid in both like at home and in church communities, like the the good life was when you grow up, get married, have a bunch of kids, and like mm-hmm. like even like I remember like. Uh, in children's ministry at church, like teachers saying like, Oh, make sure you pray for your spouse each day, like your future spouse. Uh, and, and so like my dream as a kid, uh, and as a teenager was when I grow up, I'm gonna get married, have like 10 kids, name them all after theologians. (laughs) Like, uh, uh, I, I had this, I had this major, major dream characters, (laughs) middle names. Yeah. Yeah. Gandalf as, as a middle name or actually first name would be first, but yeah, so that was that was my my dream. So I I pursued this uh, because like that's what they that's what they promise. They they promise like uh, if you go through um, go through this ministry, you'll be able to to get married, have kids, like have that that change in orientation. And I I also tie that in with like being a good Christian. Like uh, to be a good Christian, it is to have a family and that sort of thing. Uh, even though Jesus wasn't married, so I don't know why, like, yeah, that, where did that come from? Yeah, idea was communicated. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. when I when I uh, uh, went to Exodus, like, I was really hopeful. Like, I was like, okay, this is going to change. We heard all these testimonies of people who had orientation change, that sort of thing. Um, went through all these workshops, uh, uh, but it was going through the local ministry near me and going to my second Exodus conference that that entire image was shattered. I, I realized that all the people who had their had these amazing testimonies that their uh, orientation actually did not change. Uh, and so it was just, it was like I, I remember that moment like actually writing I was writing with somebody uh, back home uh, from the Exodus conference and uh, uh, like just realizing that just kind of shattered from, from like, like, Oh, this actually isn't going to, to happen. And so it's, right. yeah, it's quite like, there's a reason why repair therapy is a harmful thing. It's like, uh, uh, 
it really just kind of crushes a person. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you talked about earlier how you're celibate. Like, is there a space within Christianity to be, um, to have the things that you mentioned, like a family, but with, uh, like same sex partner or like, I guess my, to simplify the question, like why, why do you need to be celibate? Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's a really good question and not the easiest question to answer. Um, because like a lot of this is on the individual person. So like, uh, uh, like for, for me, my dream wasn't to have, um, a husband and adopt a bunch of kids. Like my dream mm-hmm. was to have a wife and kids. And so it's still not necessarily the, the same thing. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, that's, that's different for each person. So that's right. my own personal thing. Uh, but I, I do know a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are in what you call mixed orientation marriages. So where one person is attracted to the same sex and the other person is not really. And really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I have a, I have a few friends like, yeah. Uh, it can be a very unhealthy marriage. Like there's a lot of marriages that just <laughs> were horrible, but there, I, a uh, couple of my good friends, they're in very healthy marriages. Like mm-hmm. they, uh, uh, but they communicated this information to each other, like when they were dating near the beginning of that. And, and yeah, seems so. like the time to do it. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't, <laughs> although the, the opposite is probably the case in the a lot of relationships. Is the case, like the, the marriages that fall apart are the ones that, uh, um, this information wasn't communicated clearly. Now I wasn't that, honest with you and yeah, it's not working. Yeah. And yeah. the reason, the reason why I chose, uh, celibacy is, uh, I do not, I do not see myself being in a mixed orientation marriage. Like that's just like, like the, the friends, the friends I have that are in it have certain characteristics that make it work. I, I, I would really struggle with that, I think. So I, I just uh, decided that wasn't for me. And I'm still, I'm still convicted by the traditional interpretation of scripture um, on uh, sexuality and sexual ethics and that sort of thing. So like, so really celibacy was my, my only option, uh, when it came down to it. But there's, there's, uh, like Christians who believe that you can be same sex attracted and in a relationship with the same sex. Like, are they like, uh, what's up with that? Like, why can't you be like that? <laughs> If boy, Tyler's bringing the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh my. <laughs> I need to drink a little more whiskey. <laughs> so that's a question, Tyler, that you ask that often, I think becomes this spectrum amongst um, Christians. It This becomes a hard topic to even talk about. There's people who are very affirming. There's people who completely deny that it's possible for a Christian to be gay. And then when you get those people in the same room, uh, they refuse to talk about it. Churches aren't bringing it up at all as a topic with their congregants. And in some churches, uh, they're readily welcoming uh, gay members or having them as pastors. So that's a, that just becomes this place where how do you talk about this with people? And um, 
What was your question again? Well, was, well, I think it was, what's up with that? What's up with that? <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> Why do you choose that? Like, uh, there are, like, there is, there are Christians who live, um, in a same sex marriage with and adopt and, and they are, they're essentially not going to hell. So, <laughs> well, um, so what's up with that was my question. So, so this, this dives into the, the topic of biblical ethics, which ethics is just tricky in general. Uh, but terminology, uh, there's, uh, side a, uh, gay Christians or side a Christians are people who think that, uh, uh, the Bible affirms same-sex relationships, and side B Christians are uh, people who think that uh, the Bible affirms only like a, a traditional understanding of marriage. And so, uh, so I'll just use those terms. Okay. Um, so, like uh, both sides use the Bible, but they emphasize different aspects of of Scripture. So, so the side B, so the traditional side, they will look at the passages. Uh, that uh, talk about uh, homosexuality uh, and they will tie that very closely in with Genesis uh, because uh, traditional Christian theology connects uh, um, a lot of theological implications with sex. And so um, uh, same-sex relationships uh, really change those theological implications. So they will... They will take the beginning chapters of Genesis and connect that uh, with the the six other passages that that talk about homosexuality. Uh, people who are on side A, uh, they address those passages a little bit, uh, but they will actually go more toward the passages that address uh, justice, uh, social justice issues, oppression. Um, and uh, inclusion. And so they will emphasize those passages. What I try to do, even though I'm side B, I, I try my hardest to include all of those passages together to, um, to really emphasize the inclusion um, uh, and, yeah, the inclusion, the, the pain that LGBT people go through and that sort of thing, social justice. But I still hold to the traditional understanding of of marriage. So I try, I try my hardest to have the full spectrum, but that's really difficult to, to do that. That's a really sweet, succinct way to describe it. Thanks. Makes a lot of sense. All right, Peter, it's been so great to hear from you. We had you last on our last episode because you're an expert on movies. Um, and I think you're even more of an expert on these issues. Um, kind of, it's close, but like you seem to know a lot about this. Um, so we've really appreciated that, but we really have, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, it's been good. we're going, we're definitely going long on this, on this episode. So we're going to try to wrap it up here with each of us. Um, I guess minus Peter, um, t- just talking about one more, one more question or one more, um, issue and you are welcome to speak Peter, but we'll, uh, we'll kind of direct the last, the next little bit. And I've been thinking about how, like, I'm a part of a family where some of us are affirming some, 
less so or not and a bunch who aren't or are just unclear like and you're just kind of in this state of you don't know what to say and I've actually had more listener feedback where someone wanted to know what to do in a scenario like this where you have family members who would appreciate you taking a stand like marching in a pride parade um, they would appreciate that a lot if you were to do that but then other family members who would lose some respect for you or um, discount you or, or whatever. So they were wondering if we could talk about that and we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but I guess what would you do in that, in that situation? If you're, you're kind of caught in between, you want to support one, one part of your family, but the other part isn't supportive. I, uh, I don't know. It depends on the family member, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question. That's a, that's a good question, Tyler. I, my instinct is to say I'd rather support someone for something that has to do with, you know, with who they are yeah. rather than make some, you know, that's more important to me than making someone else mad about their own views, I Hang guess. Up, you know sure. what I'm saying? Like that's more important to me. Yeah. Um, that's my instinct. Of course, I never had to make that kind of decision, but. I think sometimes too, you do get to a point where you say, I'm going to support a family member regardless of what that means. Like my support for you matters more than anything else. Right. Right. And then, which is what you said. And that's, yeah. Like I, I think I said this earlier too, like lean towards support and love and, and kindness, right? Like if there's someone who would appreciate it immensely, if you were to just show some support, like, like do that. And then I'd way rather have the conversation with the other family members about why I did that. Right. Right. Versus, why I didn't. And hopefully they'd be up for the conversation. Yeah. And that's, I guess there's a little bit of fear there and uncomfortable conversation potentially, but well, even coming into this conversation, um, which has been great and I've enjoyed, um, every minute of it. I, I was nervous and I don't even know why I just, it's not something that we put out there very often in our circles and talk about right. on a deep level because it's hard and yeah, this has been this is great. My, my one sort of thought going forward is I, I know that for me, um, I'm quite often disappointed with from what I used to think was the church's stance on, on this issue. But I've come to learn that it's not the church. It, it is certain portions that are maybe more vocal than others. Um, I, I brought up the West Baptist Church earlier who they had the, you know, the God hates fags signs. They always hold up at events and they picket funerals and stuff. And as a young person, I, I would see them on CNN. They always get way more coverage than their numbers would deem um, reasonable. Yeah. But that really tainted my view of, of so-called Christianity for a lot of years. Um, and and it, it bugs me to this day, right? That, that, that there's a real misconception. I think that yes, there are some people that I know who are Christians who are not as affirming and yes, but there's also a lot on the other side too. And I just didn't know that for a long time. And that frustrates me or used to frustrate me. And it still kind of does. Um, also stop putting those guys on TV. Hey, (laughs) hashtag stop putting them on TV. (laughs) Maybe maybe they haven't been for a while. Maybe, maybe this is like years ago. Have we, have they been on TV recently? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, but the same sentiment sentiment is out there where like, I don't know, just from Twitter and stuff. Like you see people bashing Christianity for for the acts or opinions of a small group of Christianity and yeah. it's hard to know how to to react to that or it yeah like because you don't want to it's the same similar to the family thing like you don't mm-hmm. know you don't want to you want to support people but 
it's conflicting loyalties, right? Like you're loyal to, to do different groups and you have to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And churches have split over much, much less. Oh, you know, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks Peter. I want to say thank you too. It's, it's been really good to hear from you. And um, I do think it just from my own thinking about the way I've thought about this over the last 20 years or so, uh, we didn't start this conversation of, you know, is it a choice or is it, should we include people like this in our communities? Those, those are questions that have long ago been settled. And um, I'm glad that I think in Christian circles, Graham, that, that we're way past that in a, in a certain sense, but maybe not everybody is. So we, we hope that that continues to move forward. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, I'd be up for discussing more in the future. I know that Peter, you're a wealth of knowledge, um, in theology and, and your personal experience and, and we, uh, us three are kind of ignorant and we'd love to learn more, I think. <laughs> That's and, right. uh, and I'm happy to say that, but, uh, you know, if anyone else out there listening wants, uh, you have any questions or, or feedback, we'd love to hear from you like always. Um, I feel like we could definitely talk about this again someday. I mean, it's LGBTQ sure. and we, you know, we covered maybe one or two letters. Like there's a lot more. A little bit about. of G. A little bit. Yeah. And, um, and I enjoy coffee too. If people just okay. want to buy me a coffee and we can talk more about Tim this. Tim Hortons, right? That's your yeah. He loves Tim. Oh, I got I'm you gonna, a gift card. I forgot. <laughs> I'm going to try not to cuss right now because that's not what pastors do. Because if we did, you have so. to confess it next time. Yeah. And, this, and speaking of confessions, I think it's, it's time nice. to, to, uh, to pause our conversation right now and hit some confessions. You guys ready for this? Yeah, I need this. (laughs) Well, it was recently Christmas and my wife and I, who have been married a little over 23 years, have gotten way more obvious with our gift giving. Like, we'll just be like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And then now it's to the point where we just can't think of things because... Not that we have everything. It's just you don't, I don't know. Do you guys find that? You just don't need as much or you don't want as many things. So the only thing I could think to ask for this year was a microphone. Because as we build our podcast empire, it'd be nice to have our own (laughs) gear and better and better things. And my confession is that I was quite disappointed when my wife didn't get me a microphone Uh. for Christmas. It's not that she didn't get me anything. It just, it was like the only thing I asked for. So I was sort of surprised. Yeah. So if you're listening out there and you, and you want to get Chris an SM58 SM58. I mean, there's lots of different options out there. That's the one I was hoping for. I even wrote that down. Wow. So does that like mean that she does not support the podcast? Well, I know she's listened. Oh yeah. She listens to every episode. I'll have to ask. Thank you for listening. Maybe she can respond to that herself. Right. Why didn't you get Chris the mic? <laughs> My confession, um, I actually do feel pretty terrible about this um, and guilty to a few people in my life who are important. So a couple weeks back, we invited uh, our new podcast brother, Peter, for supper. We've been meeting to for a long time, and my wife and I invited him over, and he came. And uh, before he came, my wife said, like, hey, does he have any dietary uh, restrictions at all? And I said, no, he's cool. It's just, whatever. He's cool. Now, <laughs> I actually know that Peter doesn't he's a, he has a gluten sensitivity he can't doesn't eat gluten and I, and I knew that but when my wife asked me I did the classic like ignorant husband thing and didn't even really hear the Big question time. and just said no it's fine I don't want to I don't want to think about something right now <laughs> I don't ever do that no but then she asked me again like closer like just you know like, can are you, you ask, sure can you ask him and just make sure I'm like I'm not gonna ask him like just everything's fine just make whatever 
Um, of course, when he shows up, my wife's made a giant pasta dish with garlic <laughs> bread. <laughs> Basically gluten for dinner. Pie for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> but we're sitting there before dinner and I, and I offer Peter like a beer. Right. And he's like, well, I can't, I can't have that. And then a light bulb went off and it was like, Oh no, you're going to hate. So I knew I looked at Heidi and she looked at me like, I'm going to kill you. Like, <laughs> cause I knew right away that what she'd made wasn't going to work. So my confession and Peter was there. So he knows is that I, I did not ask him ahead of time and I did not respect <laughs> my wife's question and That's she made funny. a giant delicious supper and, and uh, it was all allegedly Peter delicious. <laughs> I, I, well, he was a good sport. He had a little salad <laughs> <laughs> and he pulled apart the manicotti and ate some of the, the, the inside. Oh. <laughs> Probably just the humor us to be a nice guy. So it was a lovely night though. Peter had a good time. Oh yeah. It was, yeah. It was my, fantastic. Son, my son still talks about your beard. Oh, like, that's Peter awesome. Has a, you don't have a beard dad. Mm. Peter has a beard. Like, yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. All right. Well, my kids talk about, uh, Peter's, uh, bun, his hair. I, the, Today, my uh, speaking, of, we didn't really talk about gender <laughs> identity, but or uh, but my uh, my daughter was making some comments today about how boys don't have long hair, and I said, "Well, Pastor Peter has long hair; he has a ponytail." And she said, "No, it's more of a bun." <laughs> so, but um, my uh, my confession, and and maybe some people have seen will have seen this coming. You've noticed that my voice is just extra sexy tonight. Um, I, my confession is that I've been practicing a podcast voice. Whoa. Um, really? Yeah. Just wow. on my own. I'll go through. <laughs> it, did feel a little bit, it felt a little bit like NPR tonight, actually, with him, honestly. So much <laughs> right now, but. And I've been throughout this episode catching myself going in and out of it. Huh. So some of you keen listeners have probably noticed, like, oh. who's speaking right now? <laughs> is that Tyler? Oh, it is Tyler. <laughs> Wait. But it's my confession wow. is that I will stand in front of the mirror and just practice my podcast voice. So what are some, like, give us some tips. What yeah, are you I'm doing? I'm doing it right now. It's a little, it's a little I slower. I know it's a little it's, bit slower, yeah. a little bit deeper. More intentional. Yeah. More yeah. public radio-esque. Yes. Enunciating each yeah. syllable. That's true. Now you guys are all going to do it. It's kind of like, like a it. recommendation, but yes. it's a little embarrassing too. So. <laughs> I agree. It's basically just the sweaty balls routine from <laughs> yes. SNL. That's right. Okay. All right. Uh, Delicious. Peter, bring us home. So my confession goes along with Graham's confession. <laughs> so I... I I felt so, so bad for your wife with, with all this. And so like, so I was at a Christmas party before, uh, coming over, but I told you guys that I had plenty of food to oh. eat <laughs> because, because I'm like, Oh, I, I don't want them to feel bad that there is not as much food for me. And so I totally lied and told you that I had a lot of food already. I was holding on to that. Like as the only positive to this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> But, but no, Heidi is amazing though. She made me rice too. So it was, it was yeah. good. It, so you were starving. You got, did you oh, like- I was so hungry. Like, like, because I forgot lunch that day too. So like I had a couple of pieces of cheese and meatballs at the Christmas party and then just, yeah. Yeah. It was- but like, as soon as well, you left, you swung by the walk box or something and just like yeah. stocked oh. up on some rice. Well, when, when noodles, I, when I got back noodles. to my, my home, like I was just like, <laughs> I, I ate a decent can amount. Can we have food. you over again, Peter? Sometimes. Oh, oh yeah. Can we try yeah, again. Yeah. We, we okay. could try again. Okay. I hope there's no new. <laughs> she makes a really good quiche. Yes. 
Well, that's it for another edition of Harmonious Gentlemen. Like always, we want to hear from you. So if you have feedback for us, suggestions for another episode, or maybe you want to push back and give us a little constructive criticism, you can get to us at harmoniousgentlemen at gmail.com. Ty, can you read that again in your uh, new voice? I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Our email address? Oh, harmonious... (laughs) Harmonious gentleman. Oh wow! At gmail.com. We're gonna get more emails this time <laughs> from ladies. I think the ladies. Hey, yeah. or guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Good point. Well, that's a nice way to wrap this up. We'll see you guys next time on Harmonious. <laughs> <laughs>